Hi, I'm Claude Call. And I'm Sean Gallagher. We've both written huge numbers of articles about the movies. No, no, that was just me. Okay, yeah, he's the pro and I'm the schmo, but we are both passionate about the subject. And that's why you should tune in to the Words and Movies podcast. We pick two films that appear to be different and talk about the things that they have in common. We release a new show every other week and you can subscribe through most podcast platforms. Find us on the web at wordsandmovies.com. Welcome back to Daily DVR. It's another very special episode. Today, we'll be giving you a spoiler-filled review of David Fincher's Mank. Then we'll chat a little bit about the news that Warner Brothers is releasing all of the movies to HBO Max and theaters on the same day. Then we're going to dive into an overview and a discussion Maybe those are the same thing. I'm not so sure. (laughs) Of our newest Daily DVR Facebook page tournament, where you can decide the greatest films by the greatest directors. You can, of course, find out more about us at DVRpodcast.com. You can support the podcast and become a patron at patreon.com slash DVR. And I want to thank all the patrons. I want to welcome back Dennis. Dennis. You're back. Oh, I thought he was on the line with us. I'm like, Dennis. He's here. Surprise. <laughs> Welcome, hey, it's Dennis. me. I'm Dennis. Is that is that Dennis under your desk? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Stay down, Dennis. Um, you, can, you can also follow the links in the show notes or just search Daily DVR to find and join our Facebook page. I do want to thank everybody who is on the Facebook page. we got a lot of new members lately. There was a great message. Uh, I don't have my phone. Uh, I think it it was a Jessica. I think it might have been. She wrote a message on the Facebook page, and she was, like, happy to find it. And I was like, that's awesome. So we appreciate that. Yeah, she was even going back to all the old posts. <laughs> yes, going back Sorry. to the old posts. Yeah, I think she can I think she listened to Mine the Mindhunter podcast, which we are going to finish. I still have we one are? in the can. <laughs> Solo, I have one in the can. Remember we did we it. We do have one in the can. Yeah. So then we have like four more episodes or three more episodes after that to finish. Um and I don't know, I've been having some ideas about how we can extend the mine hunter a little bit. Like maybe we do like um, some other Fincher movies or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Like maybe we could do like seven and, you know, oh, hell yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. We could Fincher it up or maybe <laughs> Zodiac even would fit pretty Zodiac. Well yes. <laughs> yeah. Zodiac. Definitely. Um, and maybe even, down the line, we could do certain documentaries or series that pertain maybe to serial killings. Oh. You know, really serial killers as we amp up, as we get towards production of the Star City Murders. You know, it's a whole thing we could do, Mr. Folo. Yes, that that sounds good. And, you know, bring I can... some guests on like this guy over here, Claire. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, by the way, I'm Axel and joining me today are Andy and Heath. You already heard Heath. Let's say hello to Andy. Andy, how you doing? I am doing great, guys. It is this is going to be a blast. I am uh, need the nice break. It's going to be fun. Yeah, man. Otherwise, about the same as always. Survive Thanksgiving with the three of us here and taking it nice and easy. That's good. 
That's nice. Thanksgiving was fun. Did you? How was your Thanksgiving solo? Um, <laughs> it was spent at, uh, in line to get a COVID test, and uh, yeah. I did eat a lot of stuffing. But uh, yeah, we had we had to go do that, and uh, my wife was a little under the weather, so she was supposed to work. She's a nurse, uh, but she didn't go to work, and so I kind of watched awful football, watched my Cowboys get killed, and. That's all I wanted. So what I did. did wait, what did you I eat? Like you broke up there a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. What's what that? What did you eat? You broke up a little bit. I didn't hear you. Oh, yeah. I may be breaking up with you guys a lot today. Um, no. <laughs> stuffing. Oh, stuffing. Yeah, I didn't have any Three pounds of stuff. I made lasagna. I had a Jersey Thanksgiving lasagna and and ribs from Costco. That sounds fantastic. Ooh, it was good. Meat lasagna. Oh, I did do one other thing on Thanksgiving that is of note that was fun. I'm, that? All my hoarding of Blu-rays finally paid off because Luke is getting old enough to know what superheroes are now, so he was introduced to the Adam West Batman series. Ah. Four or five episodes of Batman on Thanksgiving Day. So that was fun. <laughs> That's I awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah, I got the Blu-ray collection. Uh, it yep. looks great. It is great. It, it's so much funnier than what I... I never got all the jokes when I was a little kid. Now it's hilarious. So, Yeah, it's it's like two different viewings. When you're a kid, you're so into it. And then when you're older, you're like, oh, my God, this is yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it's it's so that was a fun, fun Thanksgiving thing to do. I like that. Yeah. Well, I... I you know, it's hard. I try to uh, watch older stuff with Lachlan, and he always says... As soon as it starts playing, he looks at me, he goes, Dad, is this old school? <laughs> and he he always wants to watch something. It's funny because he'll play any video game. But when it comes to like TV and movies, he knows when it's like smaller on the screen, you know, the mm-hmm. aspect ratio. Right. He recognizes it. He's like, is this old? But then he some of the older stuff he likes. But if I try to... So he, I've tried. I tried Batman, but we do watch the newer stuff. So we just watched, I think three yesterday. We watched three episodes of Mandalorian in a row, including the last one, which I know you're not up to speed. We won't spoil you, Solo. Please don't. It'll be a Christmas thing. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All I can say is that they have gone to some heights this season that I didn't expect. And they just knocked it out of the ballpark. Like they, it was just, it's just been fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. If Luke was a little older, we'd be watching that as well. He, we haven't introduced him to any star Wars stuff yet. He's not quite old enough. He knows yeah. who everybody is. Yeah. Knows Darth Vader and Yoda and all the stormtroopers and stuff, but waiting just but, a little bit longer yet. But you've shown him good fellas and kill bill, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. We watched reservoir dogs last night. <laughs> <laughs> He loved Mank, right? Oh, God. He was riveted. He was riveted. like, Rosebud. I always knew that's what that meant. Yeah, yeah, that was exactly right. <laughs> All right. That was let's, great. let's jump into it. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, about we were talking about Fincher and Mindhunter. We're going to talk about Mank. We all watched it. We're going to go full spoilers for it. So if you haven't seen it, though, I don't know that. There's really 
stuff to spoil. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to talk about the movie. It's worth watching. You kind of know the yeah. story if you're going into it knowing anything, you know? So, um, but what we, what's your first impression, Solo? Oh, I, I freaking loved it. And I loved it more because I watched Citizen Kane the night before. Nice. That was that. If you haven't seen, you know, Mank yet, watch Citizen Kane first because there's little things you'll pick up um, by watching Citizen Kane. But the way it was shot was almost like a major companion piece. Uh, I freaking, I loved it, man. I, I thought it was genius. I really did. Yeah, me too. How about you, Ando? What's your first impressions? Well, I wasn't exactly sure. I hadn't watched a preview or anything for this, so I didn't know exactly what to expect. Usually with Fincher, I usually, I mean, uh, even Fincher's lesser stuff is better than 99% of anybody else's stuff, but I'm a little, I'm usually a little more less high on his stuff that's not crime drama or genre stuff. Yeah. Like when Benjamin Button, I wasn't as high on and social network, I guess more of the Oscar type stuff that he's tried to do. I usually haven't been as big of a fan, but um, I also watched Citizen Kane again in preparation for that, and I loved it a lot. I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. I think it's one of Fincher's best movies, and it definitely feels it feels like it could have been made at the same time as Citizen Kane. It looks gorgeous. It's just a beautiful movie to look at. Uh, it was surprisingly funny. I thought I laughed a lot more, which is not yeah. usually something I do in a Fincher movie that I can think of. So I, I everything was good about it. The music, the sound, I high recommend for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, uh, yeah, I was, uh, blown away. And like you said, uh, and solo, I know you guys watching citizen Kane. I had not done that. I, I want to watch citizen Kane now after seeing this. Um, but there was, so it was not just You're the, the one who recommended to watch citizen Kane. Before. I know <laughs> you I should have your orders, man. I I can only stay up till so late. I mean, I was up to like three thirty in the morning watching this fucking movie. As soon as it dropped, I started watching it. But then I had to go like get the laundry or something. I don't know. Once I'm up, I'm just up. And I was so jazzed watching this. I think I stopped here and there because I wanted it to last longer. Because I was so happy to be in this world, you know. There's that appeal that black and white old films have where just the way the people speak is different. It really propels you into their world. And that's what I felt like with Mank. Like there was something I noticed. I wear, I wore headphones when I was watching this and something I noticed right away. And I don't know if you guys wore headphones or you had big speakers or anything, but did you notice how he fucked with the um, dialogue with all the audio so it actually sounded like it had been run through like a processor, like how old films sound? You know, I didn't notice it no. until you just said it, but I definitely knew there was something different about the dialogue from modern movies. I'm sure I'm yeah. sure that's what it was. I, I noticed something different about it, but I couldn't have I wouldn't have said that at the time. But after you say that, yeah. He went nuts with this movie. Technically, if you wear headphones, you can hear it. It sounds, this is the weird thing. It sounds almost as if it's like a quarter of a frame off 
and a little bit projected, like they're in a larger room. Like you can hear mm-hmm. the sound stage that they're on. Yep. Um, and it, it caught me right off the bat. And I thought because I was using the uh, Roku phone app to, li- to watch it and listen to it. Oh, the headphones that plug into your remote? That pl- it plugs in. I use the phone app. And it has the same okay. button as the as the thing. Oh, okay. And um, I thought, oh, is it? Am I having a technical issue? So then I switched over to something else, and I was like, went back, and I was like, no, this is really what he's doing is really awesome. And for me, also the use of uh, deep focus throughout the entire thing. I mean, that's like a hallmark of Citizen Kane, where everything right. is in focus. That was amazing. Yeah, that walk in the on the grounds with Amanda Siegfried and uh, uh-huh. Gary Oldman, I was just like, like Ando, you said you said a great point. It was like that movie came out in the '40s, the way yeah. it was shot and yeah. everything. And I think that was definitely Fincher's intention. Um, you know, I had a friend. I said, "Oh, did you watch Mega? Uh, I'm not into black and white, and it's slow." And I'm like, I didn't think it was slow at all. Like I know slow. I mean, I, I guess that so. was I was so it was more exciting than these Marvel some of the Marvel movies. Like <laughs> I didn't know it, what was going to happen it, next. Yep. Yeah, and I I and he goes to flashback as well, like Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. and it just and I had forgotten about the screen credit thing, um, and that thing because um, I looked up on IMDb to see what Citizen Kane what Oscars it won, and it said writing. But I think I was under Orson Welles. So I had thought that he didn't get the screen credit and didn't win the Oscar. So it was surprising when, you know, it was like, oh, he did. That's right. So it kind of by spoiling myself, I actually unspoiled myself. <laughs> <laughs> so but it was it was just I mean, this is definitely a movie that I have to watch again because I was so into it. But I'm sure there's a lot of things I didn't pick up. Uh, Because there was one point I actually was on my phone, and I'm like, you idiot. I paused it, went back, and I'm like, God, I missed so much by getting distracted. So I put the phone away because I was like, I'm going to miss so much. Oh, dude, this was a no phone. No, I was just watching every soaking it in. I mean, this was just what a beautiful – yeah, I don't get the – the black and white thing, I don't get. I was on Facebook discussing this with some people, and they were like – yeah, I don't know. Why did he have to go black and white? And I think some people were kind of like, oh, it's so arts. He's trying to be artsy or whatever. But it's like, look, he's making a movie about the writing of this screenplay of Citizen Kane. It's an old Hollywood. That's what you do when you make movies. You make I art. The people that <laughs> never like, watched Citizen Kane or never watched any of those movies from that time. Yeah, you, you instantly within five minutes of starting this, you're like, of course, this, it had to be made like this. It had, if it was in color, it would not be the same movie. It wouldn't mm-hmm. have the same effect. You 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 know, and, and and you're gonna have people that are just like you know when the Irishman came out, oh, it's 18 hours long and <laughs> whatever, and people, I mean, everyone's gonna complain, but this is art, first of all, and this film needed to look like it did. And it went above and beyond. I mean, Fincher, I mean, he's a freaking genius. We can all, I mean, whether you like him or not, technically you have to give it to him. Um, and, and right, his dad wrote the script, right? Yes, Jack yeah, Fincher. yeah. A long time yeah, ago. Pop, oh, yeah. 
Um, Fantastic. I was reading oh. that he wanted to originally make this with uh, Kevin Spacey. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. After the game, which would have been great casting. That was the yeah, interesting thing good. is that um, Gary Oldman is 62. Mankiewicz was 43. 43. Yeah. When this at this time. <clears throat> because that's the thing too. Like his wife is in her forties and I'm like, why is she in her four? I was like, is this typical Hollywood bullshit? Like the guy has to be, you know, it's like when Bruce Willis has a 20 year old girlfriend now in a movie and you're like, bro, uh-huh. you're like 74 Bruce Willis. Um, <clears throat> sorry. I'm, not, I'm just well, laughing. Thinking of Bruce Willis. Bruce. <clears throat> Die hard battery. Got a little throat clearing oh, to do. But so um sad. it turns out that Mankowitz died like they you know, I mean, this is history, when he was fifty five of alcoholism. Yeah. And yeah, he looked like that close. when he was forty. Yep. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was sixty something when he was yeah. forty. The so hard drinking. That's great casting, right? Because you think in that yeah. age range, if you're casting in Hollywood how old's your guy? 43. Oh, it's make it. They're like, oh, look at all these great people. You could cast all these younger kids, right? Like Tom Pelfrey. <laughs> some, you know, like, like, yeah. Cast some, yeah, cast someone young. But no, they cast an older guy and a great actor. And man, what energy he had. I was, I was saying to my buddy, um, watch this mo- watching this movie made me feel better about getting older. Because Oldman has so much energy and he's running the whole movie. He's like just doing stuff, you know? It was amazing, dude. It was a great performance. He's one of those guys I always forget how good he is until I watch him. Yeah. Uh, like dude, I, I've seen him in millions of things and he's always amazing and I always forget about him. And then as soon as he shows up and I'm, after a couple minutes, I'm like, holy shit, this guy is good. Yeah, he's so. one of the like he's played like a cop a few times, but every cop is different. Mm-hmm. A different character. Like Romeo was bleeding and you know, if you, it's just like he, I mean, and he, of course, true romance, the way he, uh, the well, darkest the dark- hour where he won the Oscar. I didn't really like the movie, but his performance was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald from in JFK. Oh yeah. I mean, oh. he, his parts are just so all over the place and every one of them, he so just good. nails. <clears throat> so good. So good. So good. So good. Yeah, Mank was amazing. Uh, Amanda Seyfried was surprisingly great to me. Uh, when I heard that she was cast, I was a little bit like, ah, it's a little too on the nose, the big eyes. She totally looks like an old Hollywood starlet, you know? But man, she really brought something to this role. And as a person who knew about what Rosebud is and what this movie is really about, what Citizen Kane really was about. Um, I expected, but also not being like some huge student of old Hollywood, I expect I didn't expect her to have such agency and be in really in many ways, she was more in control than Hearst was. You could see that, that her ability to talk to people and really have that same charm that Mank had uh, allowed her to get to this position. She wasn't the little plaything of a billionaire 
the billionaire was her plaything. She was caught, you know what I mean? And like when there's that part when she says too much about choosing the cabinet, which was totally mm-hmm. on purpose that she you know what I mean? Like it was just a great role. And I think like, I don't know, everybody's going to get Oscar nominations. Netflix is going to clean up for this because everybody, and who was the dude who played um, oh. the head of uh, Louis B. Mayer? Uh, Arliss yes. Howard. Yes, oh, Arliss yeah. Howard. Didn't even know it was him. I knew he was in the movie. Yeah. He yeah. was so good as Louis B. Mayer. And I go, who was that? And I That was Arliss Howard from Playing Clothes back yeah. in the 80s. He's great. <laughs> He's a playwright, too, isn't he? He's a really talented I'm- dude. Yeah, no, he really is. He's he's one of those names that you, oh yeah, that guy. But but he the guy is so talented. And as Louis B. Mayer, I was like, he's awesome. And that's the thing is, like, I was so excited. I texted you guys that Tom Pelfrey was in this movie, though he didn't have a lot to do. He was good at the role he played because you're not going to overshadow anyone. But yeah. I just I love that I love that guy. And I mean, his run on Ozark was a, really changed his career. Banshee, he was great in Banshee. Yeah. Um, and he was in the, the Iron Fist. I didn't see that series, but but Tom Pelfrey is I'm so so good to see him in such a high level film. Um, I'm a you know big fan of his. So it was just cast so right. I mean, even the guy uh, who's the guy that commits suicide. I forget what his character was. Oh, um, but that actor he's played the heavies. Play like. An Irish, you know, whatever he's played, uh-huh. he's probably in Sons of Anarchy or, you know, all our shows. Jamie McShane. And I, was like, I think that's the guy, Jamie McShane. Yeah. That you're talking yeah. about? It's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, I just looked it up while you were talking. I didn't mean. No, to that's good. That's what you should yeah. do as a producer, Axel. You're, this you're, is, but you're, yeah, you're talking about a cast. Let me say some others. Bill Bill right. Nye as Upton Sinclair. That was Bill Nye, the Science Guy. Yeah. Oh, that was. <laughs> yeah. I saw that this morning. <laughs> I, I was mean, gonna make a joke. Yeah, was it yeah. The Science Guy. And that's a great. I mean, Upton Sinclair, The Jungle, and like I didn't even know this really. The 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 kind of um, almost like Chinatown esque elements of the whole political fiasco that lays the yeah. groundwork for his anger, you know, and the Nazi stuff and anti yeah. uh, semitism. Like I didn't really, I mean, I knew about this stuff having learned about Upton Sinclair and Herson this, this whole time and the robber baron, all these this kind of stuff happening. Um, pre-World War II. But I think that it's great that this film can bring that stuff back to light and, and, and kind of remind some people and even younger people who love Fincher and, you know, No. 7 and Fight Club and everything, you know, oh, look, it's on Netflix. And all of a sudden they're get, kind of getting deep because when it took that turn in the film, I think that that was very delicately done and it's a great screenplay and the way that it builds up to that you there the relationship yeah. it really is it makes something that's actually kind of complicated i thought they did a very good job of kind of sim- not simplifying it but allowing people to explain what's happening mm-hmm. right you know yeah he did it in such a way where you're not like cuz for like 10 seconds, I'm like, where's this film going? Yeah. And then I paused 
got something to drink. And I go, oh, okay, now I'm, I, you know, I forgot about that time frame. And then it was like, they did it in such an amazing way. I mean, it was just, I was so into every, every gasp, every word. I was just like, you know, doubling down his bet. <laughs> I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. But uh, I mean, and you got your, our boy, Charles dance as yeah. Hearst. But he wasn't on the privy, though. I was a little. <laughs> I was a little. I was a little worried when he showed up, actually, because that's the one Fincher movie I cannot stand. He was one of the stars of, so I was a little worried when he brought him back. Alien Three. He had a big. Oh, yeah, that's right. That movie. Well, you know, he dis. He's he's since disavowed that. Yeah. Uh, climate like with the voting and the making the propaganda movie basically and people making stuff they don't want to for their bosses and all that stuff really i was i was really surprised with that i did not was not expecting that yeah i thought it was i thought it was great and and um but like i said there there were enough speeches and especially the grand speech that mank gives at the kind of dinner that they have where (laughs) He yeah, where he lays it out explicitly what happened, right, for the viewer, which I think is something that when you're writing a screenplay or I'd like to see how this screenplay evolved over time. Because when that happened in the film, I thought that that was a, a in a way taking a chance, right? Because everyone at it's like they all knew, but it's it's unspoken and he's saying something unspoken but he's also kind of telling you the plot of the movie <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. so <laughs> it's like you have to be delicate about that or else it's too uh-huh. expositional and it it just worked perfectly and i think for those who aren't as aware of the politics or what was happening at that time or the meaning of it, right? Or or what will what's to come as far as World yeah. War II come, right? Um, it allowed yeah. them to take a breath and understand the movie. At the end of it, be able to say, okay, I get it now why he wrote this screenplay, why he basically put his whole career, even his life on the line to make this right. Um, I just thought that that was great. One other thing I want to say is don't you, I thought that Orson Welles would have a bigger part in this film. I'm I was hoping for that too. Oh, see, I'm a real quick, Andy. I'm yeah, I'm a, I'm like, I've always been an Orson Welles fan, but I'm getting more into him now. Mm-hmm. I'm really like obsessed, starting to get obsessed. <laughs> um, with, because I watched, uh, I love the lady from Shanghai. I watched not too long ago again, and then with Citizen Kane and Mank. And uh, there's a great, uh, great. I don't, I don't remember if it was a great movie, but I, I ordered it because I didn't have it and I want to see it. But Aliev Shriver plays Orson Welles in RKO One Eight One. It was an HBO movie. That was a fun movie. Uh, Two thousand five, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember because I remember when he's. He's smashing the the floor to get a low angle shot, yeah. and then I'm watching Citizen Kane. I'm like, there it is, there mm-hmm. it is. So like I'm, get, but you're right. Like I I wanted it to be more Orson Welles and him, but after seeing it, I wasn't disappointed that it wasn't about Orson Welles. Other things. So it was weird. I was going into being like, I want Orson. I want to see this, 
but um, I th- I think they chose right not to throw a ton of them in there. Yeah, yeah. I think I have a similar thought on that, like you, because I, I was expecting to see a lot more of them in the movie, and then after the first ten or fifteen minutes, I thought thinking to myself, this is definitely Gary Oldman's movie. It's it's about Mank. I don't want. I'm fine with him popping or popping in every once in a while, but I liked how they did it with he's on the phone or he's on or that you most of the movie you don't even see his face, the actor's face, you just see him in shadows. Yep. And I, I kind of I think it because that personality is so big, I think it would have overshadowed it a little bit more yeah. or Gary Oldman a little bit more. True, yeah, because I I yeah. did not know. Are is this film going to extend into the actual production of Citizen Kane? I I I, I right. wasn't sure, you know. Um, and I kind of thought it was it was yeah. going to at some point, but it never really did. Yeah, I, and because you have the kind of set piece of him in that really cool out of the way home with the broken leg in the bed, it's hot, he's drinking, right? And it's very mm-hmm. old Hollywood too, because how many old films are set where you know it's like Casablanca or yeah. something, right? Somebody's sweating and they're in a bed and their shirts open and the bottles over on the counter, right? Especially with the black and white, you can get those shadows. Isn't it crazy how you can really convey heat better in black and white than you can really in color? It's so interesting, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, I thought, oh, okay, maybe it's gonna. This is just gonna be a section of the film, but that was the film, right? I mean, like he's there to the <laughs> end of the film, and uh, even though it jumps around, but I was kind of glad they didn't do that. You know, because it would have been a and different. I think some movie. of it too, like when they're walking around the that scene you talked about before, where they're walking outside the house and the long shot, and yeah. they walk by the monkeys and all that stuff. I mean, that kind of is in Citizen Kane, anyways. So it kind of, I'm like, this is almost like a making of Citizen Kane without them actually showing them making it. I thought that yeah. was kind of clever. Great point, Andy. Great mm. point. And because the film itself was. Citizen Kane with the deep focus and the black and yeah. white and the right, like mm-hmm. the angles that they took. It, it was, it was oh, just fantastic. The field, shadows, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hiding faces. And then, you know, that, that's why I knew right away what Fincher was doing. And that's why I, I really hope people understand that, that this is, this is how it was supposed to be made, not in color. And it was shot just like Citizen Kane. Like, like if this movie came out, in 1942 say after citizen Kane or whatever it would have been like, they would be talking about this movie as one of the greatest films of all time. I mean, cause just cause citizen Kane was a film before it's time hit. Mm-hmm. We'll talk later about directors, but Hitchcock did a lot of those movies well before he did what he did. And it was just well before, you know, time. And, and what Fincher did was, was, I mean, I know it's like a blow fest with Fincher when me and Axel get on, but, <laughs> But I mean, seriously, that I mean, there's a reason for that. <laughs> well, it's well deserved, and the film was fantastic. Do you guys have anything else you want to bring up about it? Do you want to kind of move it along? I mean, I'm sure we, like we said before we started, we could do a scene by scene breakdown and be here for five hours. So <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I think I think it just came out, and people may not have seen it yet. And this yeah. is just, you know, maybe they'll just hear a little. Because, you know, little insights we put in, try to watch Citizen Kane before or after. It'll be good either way. But little and things like Rosebud, if you forget, or like, Kane I just love. On, uh, Kane is on HBO Max, too, if anybody hasn't seen it. Oh, okay. It is on the TCM tab on HBO Max. So 
easy I to just, watch. I just love how they drop the script a bunch of times, and it's just like cook them, cook them. Yeah. <laughs> So, but it's yeah, fun. no, it's fantastic. And, and take your time with it. Be in the right state of mind. Like you said, don't be on your phone. Uh, be in the dark if you can and watch it and just, you know, get a bottle of wine and just relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it definitely transports you. And it, I just was sitting there at different times and just saying to myself, this is a film. You know, a lot of times I might say, this could have been like a TV series or something. No, this is a film. No. When people say what a film is, this is a film. It tells a concrete story. It, it it's it's uh, within its own world, right? It is like that that snow globe itself. It pulls you into it, and that's the only place you are. And like you don't want to leave it, you know. I wish it was. I wish you did another one after this, like this. But this is fantastic, and I do think it's going to win like a lot of awards because, like, if we should not only are Heath and Axel uh, a little uh, blowfest, as they say, for solo size for Fincher, but Hollywood loves to. That's what the Oscars are all about. So when you make a movie about the great old Hollywood, yeah. all those people in the Oscars are like, oh, my God, that's <laughs> us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they love the it. So, yeah. They're going to be very excited by it. So I hope everybody watches it and enjoys it. And, yeah, I don't see why black and white would be an impediment. But, you know, it's it, it looks crisp and clear. Trust me, you can see everything. When we say deep focus. That means everything's in focus. Like it's mm-hmm. brilliant. The thing jumps off the screen. You know, it's like the really opposite of a Game of Thrones battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Like what? Where's me? See everything. <laughs> everything's right there. Um, all right, let's move Those it along because we're gonna we got a lot yeah. to chat about. Um, but earlier this week came the news that Warner Brothers has announced that they are. It started with um, Wonder Woman 1984, but now they are releasing their full 2021 slate to HBO Max and theaters the same day. For HBO Max, it'll be on for one month. And then it disappears. It goes into the HBO Max vault. Um, <laughs> Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. But these films include, excuse me, The Suicide excuse Squad. Excuse me, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. The, uh, the, other, the remake or reimagining or whatever James Gunn who did Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy is now doing a Suicide Squad even though it's got some oh, of the same people that the other Suicide Squad had, but not Jared Leto, so that's a good thing. Part reboot. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is, but it should be fun. Um, the yeah. Matrix 4 by Lana Wachowski. Dune. Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Godzilla versus Kong. Um, it sounds like uh, Axel's reading the Oscar nominations like at 8 in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, you going to pull out the envelope next here? <laughs> Wait a second, here we go. And the next one is, um, uh, this is one for Solo, Sorry. Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, also, Did you say for Solo? Yeah, well you, well, you like basketball. 
No, I I never watched the first Space Jam. Oh, okay. okay. I don't love basketball like I used to. I, oh, int- really? I'm an 80s, 90s <sighs> guy, even 70s. I don't – it's below football, baseball, and hockey and CFL football for me. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. I thought you were big I Celtics. love my Celtics. I love yeah. my Celtics, and me and my dad, I follow the Celtics religiously, but I'm not as into it as I used to. Are you a basketball guy, Ando? Uh, I am obsessed with college hoops. I've had season tickets to the Gophers for, well, this would have been my 25th year in a row of going to at least one game, but I've had season oh, tickets wow. for a while. But cop pros, I used to be into it back in the 80s, early 90s, mid-90s. And then once Jordan and the crew kind of retired, I just yeah. lost interest in the NBA. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> kind of with me, it died with um, when they allowed zone defense into the NBA. It just kind of changed for me and all the three pointing, shooting, and everything. That's not really. I like three college pointing? a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the three pointing. What really, uh, what I really lost it is when uh, they started letting freshmen and guys come in right out of high school because yeah, the quality yeah. of the games dropped tremendously. What? In a tur- college basketball, in college they got better, yeah. and they were they were ready made by the time they got there. I just the quality of the game is just not. They don't call traveling. The refereeing is not. They don't really ref. It's more like a video game. Okay. All right. That's, well. Oh yeah, I love yeah. the sport of basketball. Me yeah. too. Me too. So well, thanks for listening so, to yes. old men complain about sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, guys in their forties complaining. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, I don't even know why I was talking about the Space Jam. Space Jam. What well, about because no, my because you said solo Space oh, Jam. Solo That's space why jam. We Okay, it's not. People it's Donald. Space and jam. Talk about make, and we sit here and talk about Space Jam for ten minutes. Yeah, it's, Space Jam. I love it. Um, other films include. Little Things, Judas and the Black Messiah, Tom and Jerry, Mortal Kombat, Those Who Wish Me Dead, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, In the Heights, Reminiscence, which is Lisa Joy's movie that I think she wrote with um, Jonah Nolan. With uh, the band, right? Reminiscence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's supposed to be really Little good. Little River Band. Um, Malignant, The Many Saints of Newark, which is The Sopranos prequel. I auditioned for that. Oh, nice. Oh, you should have got it. King Richard and Cry Macho, which Cry Macho, I can't remember. That is supposed to, I can't remember what that's about, but I think that was supposed to be a good movie. Anyway, some of these you may have heard. Some of them seem big. Some of them, who knows? You know what I'm saying? You don't know if how great uh, these movies are going to be. In the Heights is Lin-Manuel Miranda as well, I believe. Yes, True. People love Lin Manuel. A lot of people are excited for that. I know. Solo is he tried out for it? Yes, I did. On my darkest materials. It's pretty good. <laughs> good thing you're recording like this. I know. Now this is gold, people. Um, anyway, stay gold, pony boy. So, uh, let's get this back on, on track here. So anyway, I want to hear what you guys have to say. There's been a lot of discussion, a lot of people out there. There's been people saying theaters are over COVID killed the theater star. Everything you're (laughs) never going to go again to see a movie in a theater. 
other people say, yes, this is great. It's streaming. Oh, streaming prices are going to go up. Oh, this kills the theater experience. People are, there's a lot of different controversies going on. Ando, what do you think about this? Selfishly, I'm going to love it because I've got a nice projector set up in my basement and I already have HBO Max so I can get these movies for the same price I'm already paying. At the same time, I love movie theaters. I mean, I just, I grew up with movie theaters. It's I became obsessed with movies. That's why that was my, my thing to do when I was a kid was to go to movies and sit in the dark by myself for two hours, no cell phones, no nothing. If theaters die, I will be heartbroken because, I mean, my son will never be able to go to a movie theater. That that thought to me just kind of like makes me upset. I think that even if even if most of the big chains, AMCs and whatever, go out of business, I still think the, like I had said on the Facebook page the other day, that I think some independent theaters might stay in business. Like in our, in our town, the theater is actually owned by the city and they have a... Uh, uh, what do you call it? A promoter that comes in and brings the movies in, but he basically doesn't pay anything for rent or utilities. They, the town sees it as a, as a service to the people. I'm guessing that's the only way things are going to survive. I hope so because it's, I mean, it is a community service kind of thing. It gives in our small town that gives kids something to do at night. It gives. So I, I think theaters are very important. I would hate to see them go, but I don't have a very good feeling about it. Mm. What do you think? Well, so, on the, in the main part, anyways. That's that's kind of my my thoughts on this, I guess. Solo. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I didn't want to talk over anyone. So I was waiting my turn like a good boy. (laughs) Raise your hand. Okay. So (laughs) I have some thoughts on this. A lot of thoughts. Um, one, that's why I'm here. Uh, I forget. I can see Axel and now I, I can't speak. Um, might have to shut the cameras off. We want to finish. I think. Yeah. No, basically, um, for now, it's the right thing to do because in L.A., I can't go to a th- movie theater. So why not while everyone's at home? I mean, I don't know the money-making thing, but I like it. But I don't think theaters are dead because once vaccine and once people are going to want to go out and want to go to the theater. Now, it could be more like an event to go to the theater where, you know, oh, dress up a little bit. Go, it would be nice to kind of reinvent the experience um, so, I mean, you may have Amazon theaters or, you know, why not the big studios do theaters if they have the money, like Warner brothers opens up a chain. I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. Uh, I, you know, it, again, a lot of businesses are dying, but there'll be new businesses coming back up. But though we have a lot of young people like to stream, it's still, it's nice. It'll be nice on Christmas to see Wonder Woman at home. I, I'm not going to lie. But for me, that will wear out a little bit. I mean, I love watching movies at home, but I like taking my wife to the theater. Like Ando said, I used to, you know, back in the day, love going alone to the theater, just sit there and watch a movie and escape. Um, we've been in our home so long, and we're going to be in the next few months, that as long as theaters are out there, people will go. It may take some time. Because people might, even though a vaccine, I might be scared to go to a theater, you know, it's just, you know, after a year of this COVID thing, you know, how, how are we all going to react? Will we, I'm sure a lot of people still go out to try to, when bars were open, they didn't care, but I'm a little more conservative in that aspect of, I want to wait and see, 
Um, but I, but I will still go to the theater. I'll probably go more than I do now because I even with Blu-ray and everything, I don't go as much as I used to. And a lot of it's time and you know hours with my wife working or different things. But I will make an effort to go more just because I miss it so much. So I don't think it's going to die. It might be different. Um, I mean, they were always talking, why not, like, for 80 bucks or whatever, you can order a first-run movie and stay home, you know, which is a lot of money. But if it's a big family, you're going to spend that money anyway. But it's the experience. And I think people want to go out more once things are better. And so I think we could see a resurgence, just different restructuring with theaters probably. Yeah, I I have to echo a lot of what both of you said. You know, I I in the past ten or fifteen years, I haven't went to as many movies, and that's for a variety of reasons. <clears throat> One being that as I have gotten older, I have had more anxiety and liked less being around crowds of people. Right. That's just something as I've gotten older, I've not liked being like in tight, constricted places with a lot of people. Um, But I've also gotten crankier about not wanting like a cell phone on or people walking in and out or a really dim light bulb, which happened all the time. I, you know, so my complaints went up. But then I noticed, and I think it was actually after Avatar, which was a long time ago, but still Avatar (laughs) pumped a lot of money into theaters and they redid a lot of theaters. And that's when a lot of theaters went digital and they put in Mm. nicer seats and they started serving beer, right? So theaters have gotten better, right? They really have. And I've noticed that. And when Lachlan and I went to see Rise of Skywalker, I still did my normal thing, which is go to the movie at like 1130 on a Wednesday. So nobody's there, which I lo- I always did that in New York. I did that, right? Like I yeah. I, I just always did that. Um, and we had a great time. And the th- the, it was bright. It was la- maybe it was too loud these days. But I had a great time. So I do love going to theaters and I think that though they still always need to be pushed to do better. And I think that's this, that's what, what'll happen. I really do. I don't think theaters are going to go away. I think this is theater owners who honestly have a racket. Theaters are a racket, right? Like they're always complaining. They don't make any money and then they charge you $50 for a soda. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, that's, the well, uh, there's well, a reason for that. No, I know, finish. I know, because no, the, I know. The, you know, they the the distri- the it ta- the uh, the actual maker of the film charges. There's money that has to come back. I understand. Yeah, they get like seventy yeah. percent the first week and all that. But, but I'm, yeah, ta- yeah, I'm not talking about smaller theaters. I'm talking about these huge multiplexes. You know what I'm saying? Right. When you're dealing, mm-hmm. there's different prices. So, all in all, I think. I think Solo was so right. And Andy, didn't you run a theater? No, I didn't. Oh, I didn't run one. I was the same small town theater that I was talking about before. Before the current guy came in there, I was friends with the mayor at the time. And he knew I was a big movie guy and asked if I'd be interested in running it. So I started doing some research on it and talking to some of the other promoters around here. And they made like in a small town where you have a single screen theater, 
I can't remember what movie it was. I want to say Matrix Reloaded or one of those big, super huge movies that everybody yeah. was psyched for. And they wanted to get it. Or maybe it was Force Awakens. I can't remember. One of the one of those bigger sci-fi movies. And they made them say, they said, okay, well, you have to take it for a minimum of four weeks. The first week we get 90% or 80% of yes. the ticket sales yeah. and a sliding scale. So but they'll be like, so at the third week you can get 70%. Well, the third week in a small town, how many people are still going to the same movie? Right. So that's why I've always told people, if you go to an independent movie and you get pissed off that their popcorn is six bucks, that's how they're staying in business. Yeah, the guys around me, they totally. were junk food vendors. Yeah. They weren't movie guys. That was part of the reason why I didn't take over the theater. Yeah, totally. And but I did a lot I, of research, but like what you were saying too, where it's a racket, it was impossible to find that information. It's not anywhere. They, they hide the theater owners, hide that information. And so do the studios, dude, yes. you can't get any information. That's why I had to go talk directly to the guys that were running the place. And that's awesome. And that, and I think it's different when you're talking about local theaters or second yeah. run with, then when you're talking about a small theater, trying to be a first run, which mm-hmm. you can't do because of these huge multiplexes. So I yeah. really think that this is going to, I think that this is going to be a good thing in the long run. It's sad that people who work at the theaters are losing jobs. Whenever an industry changes, it's mm-hmm. not a good thing, but this was kind of an inevitable thing with streaming. Now. I mean, you do kind of think to yourself, like, if they're sending the movie digitally to the theater, why aren't they just streaming it on Disney Plus or Netflix, right? Like they're like they're forcing you to go out to watch it when you may want to yep. choose something different. And I think that that choice is better for the consumer and I think it will actually help smaller theaters find a better niche and in the end the bigger theaters, which will probably, like Solo said, get end up being bought by Amazon, Apple. It just hasn't happened yet. And mainly it hasn't happened yeah, well, yet. It, they don't want to deal with it. I was going to say, well, and it also hasn't happened because the, they just changed those rules in the last year. Right, exactly. You couldn't have well, it. That was yes. that big rule change that the Supreme Court or somebody ruled on that said, Walt Disney couldn't own studios. That was just overturned in the last six, eight months. Well, I think they just let it. They just, what happened was. Or let it expire. Exactly. That was the trick. That was why it was easy change. Three fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Three fingers. Because it's, right? Government is the easiest way to get change in government is to just let something go away or ignore it, not actually vote on it and change it. Yep. Just push it. Yep. Forget it. So that's what happened. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's the end of theaters and I hope, and I don't think it would ever be the end of theaters because guess what? People like them, mm-hmm. right? Like people like going to places it. to go. It's a place to go and yeah. escape yeah. and, you know, hang out with your friends. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I, I, mean, I think it would be better that mentality, but hopefully the youngsters still do. I They're think they just, do. Hey, we're going to hang out at Axel's place and watch our phones. But you know what? I think that they do more stuff like um, even even like they have a little theater and, hey, they're showing the new Star Wars movie or it's like the premiere of the new Game of Thrones spinoff on HBO. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really think that's what you're going to see where theaters are going to become places where people watch anything and not just films but tv live events 
You know what I'm saying? That concert, yeah. things like that. Concerts, yeah. You can really yeah. open it up and turn it into a whole experience rather than just, oh, it's the new tentpole blockbuster movie, which in the end and is really the most important thing to me. I think this is going to make it easier for mid-range films to get made that don't have $200 million budgets that go to Netflix and people like them or Amazon, you know what I mean? And there'll be more, there'll be more of an opening for those type of films. Cause right now, like if you think what a studio makes, like what films does Disney make in a year? They make a bunch of little movies for maybe like uh, the Disney channel or whatever, but they make Marvel and star Wars and huge 200, $300 million movies. When's the last time they made the bad news bears? You know what I'm saying? When's uh, like the race to rich, which mountain or something. They don't make movies yeah. like that because they're not yeah, big enough. Going to streaming. Yeah. But that's good, right? That's yeah. what, that's what I'm saying. Now they are making those, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's great. In the end, it's going to be better. And, the, and theaters will never go away. But, man, people do get – on the internet, people get scared everything's going to go away. Oh, yeah. They're scared about this podcast coming out. <laughs> it should be. You know. So We don't want them to go away. Oh, I got some <laughs> no, sun on my face now. Look at me. Sun on my face. all right that was our any other anything else you want to talk about that but i also oh i didn't get one thing to say which is i'm super excited man like my whole family's gonna watch wonder woman on uh christmas and Mm -hmm. matrix and we can talk about it on the pods and you know it's gonna be great i'm excited for the george clooney netflix movie too Oh yeah, that looks cool. Yeah, that one looks. I'm looking forward to that. So yep. it's nice. It's a nice treat because we have to stay home, especially during the. You know, right now it's better off. So hey, thank you. I thank them as of right now. Thank you for having that. I mean, I own HBO. I don't own HBO. I subscribe to HBO. Yeah, I own HBO. By the way, it was my, oh my decision. <laughs> Fuck this podcast. Send me some money, Solo. Come I know. On. I'm sorry. I. I it checks in the mail, bro. All right. Um, hey, do you remember when HBO um, released E.T. on Christmas? Like back when we were, it was like they premiered E.T. on Christmas. Do you remember that, Solo? They were like, it's a Christmas present. And they were like, tonight at 8 o'clock, E.T. is premiering <clears throat> on HBO. I, I was looking that up on the internet. I may have invented that in my mind. <laughs> I think, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Because it might. took forever. E.T. didn't come out on VHS to like 87 or 88. It took a few years. It played in the theater for like two years or something. Yeah, right? it was because I remember I was living in Wellesley, Mass. when I was in middle school, late 80s. And I remember when it came out finally, because like I didn't know I was 10 years old. Before And I'm looking because I wanted Empire Strikes Back to be on TV. So I would look at the TV guide, not knowing that, yeah, it's not going to be on TV anytime soon, Solo, <laughs> young Solo. But And then it finally came out, you know, a home video or whatever. But, like, I didn't understand that 10 years old or 8 years old, wherever the hell I was, didn't understand that concept because Star Wars was on all the time. And I wanted Empire. Um, 
and then Jedi, of course, came out. But yeah, so I guess I was much younger. Anyway, uh, yeah, I would have been ten. 10s I was kind of smart. Maybe I was seven. Okay. What the fuck were we talking about? I don't know. Space jams. <laughs> you said something e- about when e- ET. I never had these when I was a kid, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they. Maybe in 1995. No, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. HBO used to do this thing where they would have, and they did it a couple years, where they would release a new movie and they would surprise drop it on Christmas. I mean, probably other people knew, but, you know, back in the day, sans internet, you didn't know until it was going to happen, you know? But I remember there was even like an ad in like the Star Ledger or something like Merry in your Christmas. alternate universe. <laughs> I'm telling you, this happened, man. The Axelverse. You're the <laughs> one who said it. Maybe it didn't happen. <laughs> I know. Maybe it didn't, though. I could have invented it, but I think it did happen. All right. I'm looking it up on Wikipedia, HBO. And yeah, stuff, look so. it up, man. Come on. Fact check me on the podcast live, Sola. No, I want you to be right, so you're not going crazy. It might have not been E.T. Maybe it was like Raiders of the Law. It was some. Oh, now you're now you're just changing it all. (laughs) Maybe it was Goonies. Oh god, there's too much to freaking look at. I don't know if I like it. It was like HBO Christmas premiere or something. I don't know. Anyway, I know we'll find it out. I think that that's cool when you do something like that. Like I, I think it's such a simple marketing idea. Why didn't people do it? You know what I mean? It's just like when, I don't know, like when the bachelor decides to do, let's do a show in the summer. Like, of course, why when they, it's like solo, we used to always talk about this when they'd be like, nobody's watching TV in the summer. They're all out at the pool or something. You'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Everybody, you still like sit down and watch TV. Yeah, I mean, I understand before DVRs and VC- and everyone had a VCR, you had to watch everything live. And in the summer, people go on vacations and they yeah. set reruns. I understand that concept, but that's long gone. Yeah, because days are over. <laughs> I mean, we're everyone watches TV, and you have, the, I mean, a DVR. You set a season pass, record things, you watch it anytime you want. It's the greatest invention. I mean, I don't know what I would do without it. To be honest. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like Tom Hanks and Castaway, like without it. You'd be I'd talking be, to your you ball. Know, I'd be talking a ball. to volleyballs. I'd be talking to volleyballs. both my balls, you know. Damn. This is going off the rails. <laughs> and that's what we do. I know. Yeah. Hey, listen. Ever I, since the sunlight. <clears throat> I got to go get Endo's some more water. <clears throat> Why don't you guys talk for a little bit? I'm going to go get some more water. All right. I, I'm going to. I've been keeping track of since January first every TV show and movie I've watched. All right, okay, you guys I talk. Have, I'll be I'll be right back. So we're gonna mm-hmm. talk a little about that. All right, and I'm gonna go over new shows in twenty because I almost said twenty ten. Um, <laughs> twenty <laughs> yeah, twenty ten. Twenty twenty because you know how we do our end of the year our favorites. Uh-huh. So I'm compiling mine. So let me look. I've actually been doing the same thing, if you can believe it or not. So. <laughs> So, okay, I'm just going to go through the new TV I watched this past year. I haven't made the list yet because I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. do a pod about it. So did you watch NBC's Lincoln Rhyme? Lincoln Rhyme? Oh, the Bone Collector. Oh, I remember hearing about it. I did not yeah. see any of it, though. It wasn't bad. It was pretty good. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. network show, but it was yeah. good. Um, I did see the Mandalorian pilot. 
Um, but I, we're going to do that over Christmas. Me and my wife are just going to marathon that. Um, okay. I'll enjoy it. <laughs> All right. The Outsider. The yeah. Outsider on HBO. That that was interesting. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that show. That's, that's kind of where I was, too. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that, like, when it got canceled, I was like, that's okay. I don't yeah. I, I like cast. all the actors, yeah. but it wasn't didn't grab me. Yeah. Uh, Prodigal Son. Do you watch that show on Fox? I have not seen it. It was one I wanted to check out, but I never. Yeah, that that got has gotten good. Uh, Harold Perrineau's daughter is in it. She's really oh, she's she's right. good, she's a good actress. Uh huh. Um, so that okay. Of course, Law and Order SVU season twenty one. Um, I love I love me some SVU. Uh-huh. Um, okay, The Sinner season three. Didn't like season three that much. You know, that's one that I haven't I hadn't watched any of The Sinner yet, and I was that was on my li- thing things to do this year. And then when the last one came out and the reviews were not as good, and I was like, eh, yeah, it kind of got pushed well, down the list a little bit. Seasons one and two are good, very good. Yeah, um, and you don't necessarily they're different cases. Just Bill Bill Pullman's in everyone, and there's some mm-hmm. overlapping things a little bit with him. I mean, he's the main reason I want to watch it. I love Bill. Yeah, Pullman, no, he's so. he's really good in it. Um, of course, Better Call Saul season four was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, Tiger King! I forgot about that. Oh God, God that was this King. year. It doesn't that? What seems like it was ten years ago when that was. Yeah, on. yeah. Oh man! You know what? Did you see? Did you see Briar Patch, the USA show? With I, Rosario Dawson, I saw the first episode or two, and then somehow I lost track. I loved it, and I just—it's—it's it, it's going to be in my top ten this year. Wow. Yeah, I really I loved love it. it. One of my episodes I saw—that's what's yeah, his name, Andy that. from The Watch. You know, the guy who started yeah. a pie as a Andy podcaster. Greenwald. Yeah, Andy Greenwald, oh, writer. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So, hey, so yo. I'm back. <laughs> Hey, follows back. Um, Welcome back. Let's talk about. We should bracket it up, right? Yeah, let's bracket. Andy, let's. This is very exciting. Our last bracket we did was a huge success. We had so much fun. We're doing something oh, a little great. bit different. We're going to be talking about film, which we've been talking about the whole podcast. We did a whole process. Why don't you do give us a little intro first, Ando Calrissian, and tell us what the Dizzy is, and then we can talk a little bit about the director survey we did, because that was fun, yep. and then we can just kind of talk a little bit about the films, preview it, and of course, encourage everyone to go join the Facebook page and take part in it. Okay, well, the first first thing I have to say is that when I first... Uh, when we start after the first one was getting so popular, we kind of talked about maybe doing something different and unbeknownst to me, my wife probably two or three weeks into it said, you got, you know, you guys should do directors. I completely forgot about that. I had, that she had mentioned that to me. So then when I told her that we were going to do directors, she's like, you know, that's what I told you to do. Right. <laughs> and I completely took credit for it. So I have to apologize to her. It was hundred percent her deal. She like incepted it into my mind and I didn't even know what was happening. So she was the one who gave me the inspiration for this, but it's basically a bunch of different brackets, just like the TV one, where this time each bracket is a different director and pitting their movies against each other. So Jaws versus Jurassic Park or nice. whatever. A few other wild cards we had in there since 
the majority of director you have to have eight films to qualify to make the brackets work correctly and since the majority of directors that have been working for a long time in Hollywood are white males we had to do a couple brackets that have got women brackets where we added a bunch of bunch yeah. of women's films directed great. films together and some other different wildcard things so that makes up part of it as well but we're just going to go through all of those and during the TV one, I had a few people volunteer to help the next time we did it or wanted to help or wanted to be included. And a few other people, Axel and I made to be included. I think Heath was one of those. I don't think yes. you I think we volunteered you. But Which was the right move because I will volunteer. <laughs> well, we, we, we figured since you're actually making a movie, maybe it'd be a good idea to have you in there. So, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. But the selection committee is the three of us, Kellum Wick. Justin Thomas, Brett Fuller, DJ Tim Hines, and Gina Giacchetti. And what I basically did to start was I made a big list of 48 directors that qualified. I sent it to everybody. They had to do a survey. You guys all had to rank which ones you wanted. Ranking your top your top 16 out of that, because that's kind of where it was a good number to start with was 16. And the only qualification I said is the ones you think will be the most fun to talk about, not necessarily the best. Because, I mean... Sometimes it's fun to talk about Michael Bay movies or something. Michael Bay did not make the tournament, but that's kind of the sorry, idea. Michael. Yeah, sorry. sorry maybe Michael. next time. The uh, after that, one of the suggestions from Brett was actually that in case we want to do this again, we shouldn't overload and do all of the all-time greats at one time. So what we did was I split them up into you got to pick one out of the four. So like one of the one of the brackets or one not brackets, but one of the survey questions was. Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, David Fincher, or Spike Lee. One of the four gets in. Well, mm-hmm. two of them get, got, ended up getting in because of a tie. But So basically, everybody in that same level. I, like One of them was guys that were great at one time but got washed up. So it was like Tim Burton. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, we'll get to that when we get to it. But that was the next step. So we narrowed that down. After we got to that step, the next stage was to send out another survey. I was really surveying this people to death so i'm sure they were really at the time it was fun i think so it was very fun i had everybody rank their top movies from those directors and to see which ones got in the tournament i mean some picks are obvious raiders of the lost ark schindler's list those movies have to go in there but who who makes it in between lincoln and munich and minority report i mean those are the ones i needed the most help with so we did all that got uh, compiled all the stats we took the t- I took the top eight vote getters just flat, no matter what my personal preference. Completely eliminated it. Well, I was got a vote, but it was the same with everybody else. So it's a hundred percent democratic. And then after that, we uh, I sent out another one last final survey to basically rank the films. And I used most of that. In a few cases, I I jiggered the results just a little bit to make more interesting matchups. I don't oh, know. election. Uh... There's a little, a little bit of election fraud. Yeah, it was it actually a suggestion from Justin when I was talking to him about it was in the opening rounds, you should try and make them, if they have similar films, kind of try to match them up yeah. against their similar films. That's Justin so Giuliani I, was giving you advice on this? Yes, yes. He is my, he's my pro bono lawyer that I have working for me. Okay, so. okay. The, uh, like, you'll, there'll, there'll be examples of that, like, I'll take her for an example. In the Quentin Tarantino bracket, Kill Bill 1 is facing against Kill Bill 2 in the first round. Mm, Things like that. Round. So it's 
just to make the matchups a little, I didn't move something from the eighth seed all the way to the one seed, obviously, but where I could jiggle a, a little bit, there was a little bit of jiggle. Yeah, it's just so, a little fraud. Okay, we'll get Alex yeah, on on the just, case. Nothing, <laughs> nothing wrong with a little bit of fraud occasionally. <laughs> the jiggling baby. So, go ahead, babe. Yeah. That is basically what it is. It ends up being, it's gonna. it sounds like a lot, but we'll be able to go through it pretty quick. There's 144 movies in this tournament total. So it's going to be... It's going to be fun. There'll, there'll be something for literally something for everybody. Rom-com, sci-fi, drama, comedy, a little bit of everything. So that's that is kind of what kind of what we did and how we got started. Dude, so, I think I it's so the, you did such a great job and it's so fun and because when we first when you were first started talking to me, <clears throat> trying to think is it better to do like director versus director. But then when you had the idea of doing like their own films against each other to find their best film, I was like, that's so fun Yeah, because that you can actually really kind of think about like where they were at. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like in, in their progression. And when you rank films against each other, you're really kind of thinking like, did they get the best that they could have out of themselves, everyone around them? Is this the best possible film that could come from this story, this experience, you know? And that's something that yep. can be hard to judge, but it's fun. You can judge it, I think, more than you say, like, <clears throat> who's a better New York director, Scorsese or Spike Lee? That's so hard to do you know what i'm saying i find i think that's that's a harder thing to do i think it's cooler that they're like the ultimate challenge is themselves just like real life well, and- whoa whoa that was like a trailer uh, <laughs> uh voiceover yeah. the uh there is there is one tiny spoiler for later too there is 16 different brackets so at the end 16 is a perfect bracket number so at the end, the champions of each director will face off against each other at the very end yes. of the tournament. I like so that. in That's a awesome. month or whenever all the things get done, the best of the best will duke it out in a battle royal. So In the year 3000. That's like a different. Yeah, I it might take like that, that long to run through this. So <laughs> Yeah, but that's that kind of changes it, right? Because you had the time to think about each one, you know, and then you're choosing mm-hmm. like their best. Then you kind of mm-hmm. did the legwork that goes into challenging them against each other. The, you know, <clears throat> to speak about the when we did the initial survey, that was a hit for me. I got to say with Spielberg, because I kind of wanted Munich to make it in. I love, I love Munich. But mm-hmm. Munich did not make it in. It just... If I, I don't have the numbers on my notes here, but I think it lo- I think it missed out. I got it vote. in front of me. Yeah. yeah, it was three. It only got three volt votes, but Minority Report got the same amount as ET and Close Encounters. Wow, interesting. But Temple of Doom, Minority Report holds up well. Yeah, people really like Minority. Yeah, it, Report. it is a good movie. Find the minority report. You know, when you think about it's so funny, Spielberg, he really has such a great uh, of war. I can never pronounce that film, that uh, term correctly. 
but all of his films, it's so they're so diverse. Not a lot of love as much as I thought another film, which I think I was a lone vote for, which is Catch Me If You Can. Oh, I love that. Hey, did I, Andy, did I did I not vote for the movies? Or I don't remember no. voting. Yeah, you did. did no, nope, you voted for you were oh, I did you were do all the voting? Time. Yeah. Yep, you did every step. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember because catch. Well, this has been like six months in the making. This is like our yeah, own personal. That's why I don't remember. Fine. We just kept pushing it back and pushing it back. So Solo's like he's like, oh, wait, I'm wait. Catch me if you can. Isn't on there. Yeah, I'm out. Look, I didn't vote. I didn't vote for any of this. Somebody <laughs> you know, mailed in my ballot with my social security. <laughs> without well, me, we'll have to get some voter ID put in for next time. I guess, huh? God, I just I don't yeah. remember. Oh wow! I wanted to vote for Catch Me If You Can because I love that movie. I just Spielberg is one of my all-time favorites, and there's so many movies of his that I love. I couldn't find a spot to put Catch Me If You Can in there. I I wanted that to go in too, but I just couldn't. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite. Interesting. What I didn't. I definitely voted for Minority Report. It is. It was fun Uh, to see. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I, I can pull it up. You guys. Oh, no, I got it. I have it right in front of me. Oh, well, I, don't, do? I don't. Well, do you, I, it's, I, don't I put the link in the list? show notes. I, I can pull up the list of. The, yeah, the link is. I don't is, know. If, can you look at the list of who everybody's individual vote? Oh, no, I don't have that. I don't have the individual votes. I just have what you gave, That's okay. which was the overall votes. Um, and I can just well, see, you know what? I'm going to pull it up anyway, teeth, because I'm sure we're all going to have more questions when we get further down the line. Cause I don't remember who all I voted for either. Dude, I don't even remember voting. That's, yeah. It's just been a long year. Well, there's some <laughs> interesting stuff. Like I'll give an example. So for link letter, we had seven votes for school of rock, three slacker, three, a scanner darkly. Two waking life, and then pretty much the rest of everything he did got like one uh, vote. Days and confused didn't get more than one. As I talk like this, no, days and confused was an automatic entry. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. scared me. Oh, There's that, some of them that are automatic. One yeah. Oh, I. That's right. That's right. There was some that made. Got it. Got it. Yep. Yeah, that okay. was. I mean, I. I I knew people didn't need to vote on Jaws to get it in there. Oh, so, that's I mean, true. That's... Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, th- then I pr- might not have voted for Catch Me If You Can. Sorry, Axel. I have to reevaluate yeah. my life on that one. <clears throat> I really like <laughs> Catch Me If You Can. It's freaking great. That was very uh, Hitchcockian. I really like that movie mm-hmm. a lot. Leonardo. Tommy Hanks. Tommy Jennifer Hanks. Jennifer Garner. Yep. Oh, Jennifer Garner. Or as Glenn would call him, Sir Timothy Hanks. <laughs> Sir Timothy Hanks. <laughs> Sir Timothy Hanks. I love it. All right. Some of these, I want to give just a little preview. And I do want to speak again to the, um, I thought it was great, Andy, that you came up with the wild cards so we could include more female directors simply because there are so few women who have had the opportunity to make eight films with a budget. Right. Um, And when you, when we started looking and when we were doing this, I went through and I went through a list of like 50 female directors and not just American because we want to try to vary it though. Mostly this is American filmmakers. Um, 
and it was Sorry, so uh, prime primary primary. Is that what you said? No, I said, sorry, Gareth. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> that was worth me uh, not knowing what you said. Just to hear Gareth's voice in my head when you said Gareth, <laughs> which, by the way, I'm rewatching Dexter. You were talking about serial killers earlier. What? That's exactly what I hear in my head. I love every time. And Gareth covering Dexter was the perfect thing, too, because his voice is so friendly and nice. And it's just like the show (laughs) where he's where it's like Miami and it's so beautiful. And then it's just all serial killer stuff, which I love. But anyway, creating these uh, was great. And it was just, yeah, it was kind of depressing when I was like, hey, how about Nora Ephron? And then you look and you say, like, it's hard to get to eight. You know what I'm saying? Penny Marshall. Um, you know, but you were able to get them in Amy Heckerling. Yeah, it was Penelope. It was hard because a lot of them, there was a lot of them. There's only three or four notable films. So it's hard to, hard to do a tournament with that. Yep. That's true. And then even when you looked at some other directors, um, like, uh, Tony Scott, you don't realize how many great movies he did. I think sometimes it. Oh, okay. That's good, Solo. I realize it, Axel. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of slept on that because I always think about Ridley Scott. I, I honestly, I know. you know, I'm a Tony guy. Yeah. I think I remember. I can't find the stuff here, but I think you were pushing pretty hard for Tony Scott, if I remember right. He, <laughs> I probably was. <laughs> what a great yeah. uh, true romance! Last Boy Scout, Days of Thunder, Spy Game, Crimson Tide, Man on Fire, Top Gun, Enemy of the State. These are all uh, these are all very commercial, Domino. but also great films. You know, like that we all know and love. Yeah, commercial great films. You know, Man yeah. on Fire is one. I think one of his best ones. I mean, that movie's intense. And really, the way he edited that too, it's so hectic and crazy. You know what I mean? Like he had he really experimented. It's still a mystery about his death, Tony Scott. Yeah, the suicide. Yeah, he yeah, jumped. I, I, yeah, you know, jumped off a bridge. But then he thought, and he told his whole family thought that he had cancer. But when they did that, when they went to the medical examiners, they had them do an autopsy. There were no traces of cancer. He had thought he was sick for years and had been telling people mm. it was cancer, but he didn't have cancer. That's interesting. One day there'll be a film made or a docu series made about the, about what happened there because called I, Tank. <laughs> called, no, tank. <laughs> oh no, no, no one called him Tank. Like me. Tank. No, that was just your tank. personal nickname. But I'm telling, it's an interesting. Uh, it's a really weird yeah. story there. Talk about Hollywood stories. But um, what are some of the other directors and stuff that that uh, you were? It was fun to. Uh, to kind of look at their solo or ando. I can stop talking for a second. <laughs> I got nothing in front of me, so I got to give it to ando. I don't remember. I don't remember uh, anything. Well, do you have the, uh, do you have, oh, you don't have your computer up? No, it, something went wet, wonky with Zoom, and I can't access things without. Oh, okay. I'm going to go on my phone. So we'll um, feed solo. Huh? Let's talk a little bit about how about these movies. Ready? The movies of Meathead. 
Rob Reiner. A few good men. Yeah, that's my Stand by me. Misery. By me. Princess Bride. This is Spinal Tap. When Harry met Sally, the American president. Now there's one movie that made it here, which I don't think I ever saw, this story of us. Every once in a while there's oh, like that one that's a movie. Rough one. Is that when um, Bruce Willis makes Bruce a videotape of himself? All I remember, it's a depressing, tough movie to watch. It's not a happy movie. It's well done. That's one I never saw. But it's, it it's a rough. It's a rough. If you're looking for happiness, don't watch that movie. It's basically about a breakup of a marriage, all cut up in different, you know, sections of their uh, relationship. It's. A rough one. Well, that one that one's up against a few good men in the first round, so it's not going to last long, anyways. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think Story that it will. Of bye bye. How about? But it's one of your favorites, there, Solo. A few good men. What? Yeah, that's my all-time favorite film. Do you want to do a little of that um, for us right now? Talk about you can't handle the truth and stuff like that. Do a little performance <laughs> for us. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. There you go. That was awesome. That was very awesome. Good. (laughs) I performed it in high school, actually, for competition in forensics league. Wow. Yeah, it was fun. I did well at states, but didn't make nationals. I played all the characters, and that was pretty cool. At the really? same time? Yeah, well, yeah, I did, like, two scenes, and um, what, the main scene, the courtroom scene, where I did both the voices of Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was pretty pretty awesome. I lost out to a guy who did Beckett, uh, something from Beckett, oh. and he, he was outstanding. The judges, we looked at the judges – and because when I was younger, I looked like Tom Cruise when I was skinnier and younger. So, like, some judges were like, he looks too much like Tom Cruise. Some were like, he looks great. And then, like, I got, like, there was five voters. I got, like, two first place votes, a second, and then two last. Because two of the judges, I guess, didn't, I don't know, didn't like it or something. So I bet you they couldn't handle the truth. They couldn't handle it. <laughs> That's they what it turned out to be. But my baseball coach was kind of upset because I'd missed practice to do this, and then I would just show up to the games. And so he kind of wasn't happy. But, hey, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, man? Oh, dude, Actually, I some think of I did this... miss a game. I missed a game. It was a Saturday. This, anyway, is, Saturday. this is a good Alfred Hitchcock. All right, I'm going to throw one out, and I'm going to ask you guys your pick. North by Northwest or the Birds? Solo, what do you pick? Uh, North by Northwest, but The Birds is high on my all-time film list, but uh, North by Northwest is not my favorite Hitchcock, but it's top three. North by Northwest is my favorite Hitchcock, so mm-hmm. easily for me, by Northwest. That's a yeah, tough that's one film. for me. I like, you know what? I might have to pick The Birds there. Because I think that it is such a strange film. It really fascinated me when I was a kid. Just that little town that they're in. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was so I man I watched that movie so many times. They used to play that on TV a lot too. I don't um, like COVID. You know, not going outside and true, freaking freaky. It's true, baby. <laughs> Something's coming to get you. Well, that's the ultimate fear, right? Just something coming down right. from the sky to get you. You know, yeah. that's what Hitchcock was so brilliant at. My oh. favorite Hitchcock film probably is Rear Window. That is mine. Yeah, yeah. Is mine. I love that movie. Oh, uh, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, uh, yes, uh, <coughs> Axel. Can you pass me my scratcher? My leg is kind of <laughs> Yes, all right. Yes, it's Raymond Burr killing someone. I'm just going to peek on and, my neighbor. Turn into Bane. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart turned into Bane. Why would you? Why would you kill a man before throwing him out of a plane? <laughs> Turning in McKellen. I think Rear Window is so great too because it's it like. The ultimate film where the guy is a total peeping Tom and nobody really, no, they're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever, dude, what do you do all day? I'm just going to sit here and, uh, and, and, and watch people do, 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 do stuff in their, in their rooms. Yes. I'm going to peek on to the DVR podcast in Network. <laughs> You had a little Sean Connery in that one, I think. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Punch the keys. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> rear window yeah hitchcock um a lot of he was interested in a lot of like interesting kind of stuff you know like sexually and he really kind of was really pushed the bar in a lot of ways that you don't really think about but then when you watch his films you see that there's a lot of that in there man well that's you why see- i was putting a lot of this well, I was putting a lot of this together. I actually rewatched three or four of his movies while I was doing a lot of this stuff because it's been a long time since I'd seen a lot of them. Actually, the first yeah. time I ever saw Strangers on the Train was just a couple months ago, which I loved. Mm-hmm. But there is some weird stuff, especially subtext in that stuff. It's really weird yeah. and some freaky stuff in there. I'd forgotten how it's good, but man, yes. there's some weird. He's a definitely an odd guy. Psychosexual Dude, that- is what they would call it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was that one uh, year where like two biopic Hitchcock movies came out, like Anthony Hopkins, mm, and then I remember there was another one. I remember watching it, but I don't remember the films at all. Yeah, to be honest. Oh yes, there. Well, I think there was one that was from Tippi Hedren's point of view yeah, yeah. during the birds. Yeah, they were making the birds. That yeah. was one. Yeah, that was the one I think on HBO, and then Anthony Hopkins I think played. Yeah, and they examine that too, you know, like his relationship with his wife um, and how he would always cast these like blonde damsels in distress that on the set he would be very coarse to, to put it lightly. Um, I, I But yes. no one's really investigated that. I don't know. Maybe there's other films that go deeper into it. But yeah, he really too, he took a lot of chances. And I think that that was something that, really interested him and when you look at his films there is a uniqueness that is a lot of it is that like psychosexual stuff um like even you think about a movie like rebecca which is so weird um uh-huh. a lot of a lot of interesting films but here just psycho dilem for murder vertigo strangers on a train vertigo is um, a weird fucking movie yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, it is weird. Um, I like it's more of a political one, 
but Torn Curtain with uh, Paul Newman and uh, Julie Andrews. Yeah. Um, that mm-hmm. one's like, it's not so much the, a murder thing, but it's, uh, I mean, to see the two of them together on screen is just great. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of that one. And one I loved as a kid, but I haven't seen it since 1983, Trouble with Harry. I don't, so I don't remember if I, if I would, I don't know if I'd like it now. I, I haven't seen it in 30 years. Yep. For almost 40 years. Jesus. <laughs> My 30. Didn't they remit? Wasn't that remade? Was that um, uh, Trouble with Axel? Yeah, it was. Did they remake was it? it? What, was with Marky Mark or something? Title. Yeah. All I all I remember is lemonade and then digging up a body and putting it back. <laughs> That's all I remember from the movie. I know they remade Rear Window a couple of times. Yeah, once with Christopher yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, with Shia LaBeouf. One on TV. Yeah. Shia LaBeoufy. And then, yeah, there wasn't there one on TV as well. But he was, cor- in that movie, he was correctly labeled to Peeping Tom. Like, I remember his mom was like, stop looking at people through your window. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, well. <laughs> Is Andy looking the, it up? Uh, I was trying to. I couldn't find anything. Oh, okay. The, uh, do we want to at least list the, the directors that made it into the tournament? And we might want to do that. Yeah, yeah let's, let's talk that. about it. Hot off the press. Well, Steven Spielberg made it, of course. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm Catherine done. Bigelow. Wes Anderson. Tim oh, Burton. Oh, wait. I guess I got to stop. Wes Anderson. What a great. Now, that's where, see, sometimes you have a director where you look at all the movies, it's like Wes Anderson, Tarantino. Did PTA make it? Did he have eight? Uh, he. How about PTA, let him read the list, Axel, and then we can discuss. Wait, well, but, yeah. Well, and you know what else I could do here? Yeah, I can say who didn't get in on those. Like Spielberg, I said before, Fincher and Spike Lee did not make it in because of that. But they will be featured in a different wildcard bracket later. Uh, Bigelow beat Ridley Scott. Ron Howard and David Lynch. Wes Anderson beat Mel Brooks and Woody Allen. Tim Burton beat Robert Zemeckis and M. Night Shyamalan. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see here. Stanley Kubrick beat Chris Nolan, PTA, and the Coens. Oh, that's a tough one. Heavy hitter group there. Oh, that's right. East region. Um, But how many movies does PTA have? Mel Brooks and Woody Allen to get in. Richard Linkletter beat in Ang Lee, Francis Ford Coppola, and Steven Soderbergh. Oh, Tony Scott. What? <laughs> Tony Scott beat out Michael Bay, Zack Snyder, and John Carpenter. Oh, Rob I think Reiner I voted for out. Carpenter. Yep, yeah, Car- he was my second choice. Me too, I think. Kamalan oh. and Robert Zemeckis were also beaten by Rob Reiner. Hitchcock beat out Brian De Palma, Sidney Lumet, and Oliver Stone. And Martin Scorsese also beat out Fincher and Spike Lee. Mm. Quentin mm. Tarantino went unopposed because every single one of us put him on his ballot. So he was <laughs> unanimous. Yeah. You know, this, uh, but I like that because we've got a lot of time and you can't do, I mean, this is, uh, this is like, this is going to, this is like days. This is a lot of work for you too, but also, you know, you could do it. Well, the hard part is done. Million so. number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, but I mean, well, you have the the information for those other directors already, so. Yep, and the one other one that's 
might this one actually might be a fun one to go through is we did one other wild card where after we did all this i sent out another survey and i had everybody sent if you guys remember i had everybody send in three movies rank them one two and three of directors that did not make the tournament yes and i was going to make one more bracket with it <laughs> so i assumed i assumed we would get a, a ton of votes for all the same movies well Eight people, 24 different movies. Everybody put a different movie in. Oh, wow. So I made up one bracket where it's a 24 team, 24, not team, 24 movie bracket where the first round is a three-way match to advance to the second round, and then it'll be like normal. Oh, wow. So like one of the, one of the matches is Airplane versus Blazing Saddles versus Moonstruck. Oh, Norman Jewison, Mel Brooks, and Abrams or Zucker were all top picks for people. The next matchup is a Woody Allen mini bracket: Purple Rose of Cairo, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Manhattan Murder Mystery. Ah, Manhattan Murder Mystery, my favorite Woody Allen. The next one, yeah, that was I have that listed. That was from you, Heath. That was one of your uh, nominations on that one. Was Manhattan Murder Mystery? Yeah. Okay, I don't remember, but it would have been. And Crimes and Misdemeanors <laughs> is definitely me. That's my favorite Woody Allen that, movie. I that was that you, movie. yes. And Kellum, Kellum had Purple Rose of Cairo. Best ever. Of course, uh, the Kellum next did. one down is Drama. It has Magnolia, There Will Be Blood, and Seven. Oh, that's a tough one. What do you pick, Solo? Well, what were they again? Magnolia, <laughs> There Will Be Blood, Seven. Uh, I Seven. Seven's in my top ten off. Favorite, I gotta go Magnolia there, even though there, I think actually, just watched Magnolia again. I I would have to say that actually, There Will Be Blood is the best film out of those three. Like, I mean, as far as achieved everything it's set out to achieve, but personally, I love Magnolia. I love Seven, but Seven is not one of my favorite Fincher movies, honestly. I don't, I don't know why I got to rewatch it again. It's been a while. No, you don't. You don't have to. Just because Solo loves it doesn't mean you have well, to love it more. Well, maybe it this, does. this is a tough one. I love all three of those movies, but Seven's just yeah. my one of my yeah. That's the a, influence for the movie I'm making. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one. It's one of your big inspirations for the, your movie, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's big what time. I, I remember just saying on the. By the way, those podcasts you guys are doing, the behind-the-scenes ones are great. The one with oh. Giles is his name, the director? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that was a good one. To, I know it sounds boring to you, what those mundane details, like dealing with the unions or getting catering, I love hearing that stuff. It's You never hear about that stuff. It's interesting well, to that, hear that stuff. That's what I wanted to bring to the pods, to give people the perspective that they stuff they wouldn't know, you know? yeah. So, because I mean, I've I've watched a billion behind the scenes documentaries on Blu-rays, and they never talk about that kind of stuff. They talk about yeah. working with actors and all that. I mean, so it's not you don't hear the nitty gritty part of it. Yeah. The oh, uh, the next one is Scarface, The Godfather, and Fargo. Oh wow! That's the uh, crime <clears throat> drama. All right, let, let's see. Scarface. The Godfather, Fargo, that is, t- you know, people love The Godfather. I've heard many people love The Godfather. I, too, love I The Godfather. Cool. It's, what'd you say? I said, that's a hot take. People like The Godfather. <laughs> no, it's yeah, a hot no. take. 
But Fargo is so good, and Scarface is so nasty. Scarface is one of the nastiest movies ever. It's just, I think about Scarface, and it's like very dirty and nasty, and oh, Miami. Miami's not dirty. It's just like Dexter. And my the, the the Miami like it looks so pretty, but then it, oh, like the cutting the dude up with the chainsaw right in the bathtub. That uh-huh. that's unpleasant. Um, yeah, that's, but then speaking it, of which, oh, then Fargo they throw the guy in the uh, wood chipper. Which one would you? <laughs> which one would you rather have? Solo, wood chip death, or cut up by chainsaw in a bathtub death? Hmm. Now, cut or up by I'm a chainsaw. Am I alive? Him. Am I alive in both of these? Yes. And then I die because you're alive in both. Disposal? Oh Jesus! Chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be the wood chipper. I think will hurt longer, and you could get your foot in there. And let... chainsaw, you know, it's probably faster. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and uh, what do you right? say? Is that? Is that... Oh, I, I'm just going to take the getting shot in the restaurant like the Godfather and have it yeah, be done quick. That would be much better. Oh, I didn't get that option. I didn't get that option. Well, <laughs> I created my own option. Yeah. I want his. I want Ando's option. This is a fantasy <laughs> world, Solo. He took over and used his imagination. Come on. You're an actor. Fine, I'll die in my it's called improv. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would definitely choose the chainsaw only because I think if you get caught in the wood chipper, it's a lot harder to like... Oh pull your leg out where with the chainsaw, if it gets caught, that guy can kind of just, you know, pull it out of you real quick and get back to you. Uh, yeah. This podcast has turned very good. dark. Very dark. Oh. Oh. I think my intestines just did something. All right. This is another great one here. The thing versus the sixth sense versus blue velvet. You put good work Ooh, into this, Ando. This is that's tough, man. Because they're all, all fantastical and strange in their own way, mm-hmm. and mm. work together. This is like kind of like a wine pairing that you did. You know what? You're a film sommelier, Andy. That's what you are. <laughs> oh, that'll be my new title. Yeah. You, oh, wait, the film strip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. Ooh, I could never do that job, though. I'd get too drunk. Oh, man. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to stop one little taste. Ooh, once you stop, you can't pop. What? With the thing, the Sixth Sense Blue Vel. I, I, man, I love the thing. I love John Carpenter. I really think that John oh, Carpenter yep. is a, one of the greatest American directors, and he really gets no credit. And he did it all himself, too. He wrote, directed, made the music. He cast these movies. He did everything. You know what I figured out, Axel and Ando? So I'm a big fan of The Fog. Mm-hmm. John Carpenter. Big. And you know M. Night Shyamalan made that movie, uh, The Happening? Yes. And it was uh-huh. it was pretty awful. He was uh-huh. trying to do The Fog and just didn't pull it off. Yeah, because you know the fog rolls, and it actually is freaky. And he's trying to do that with the wind and the shade, and it just didn't work. That's what he was trying to do, and it took me a while to rewatch the fog 
to be like, that's what he was trying. Because I was like, how did he not see this doesn't work? And yeah. just the way it's executed in the fog, it's, you know. Yeah. So. Well, Carpenter in the 80s was just, well, fantastic. I think you, I think the three of us actually were the only three that voted for him because I wanted him to make the tournament too. Yeah, because that would have been interesting, yeah. I love him. I'm a big fan of them. Well, listen, guys, guys, I sounded like Christopher Walken for a second. Guys, that's all. That's (laughs) a Jewish Christopher Walken. That's as far as the impression goes. I can't do it. I'm good at one word impressions. Axel, why? I think microphone. See around so, your ankles. See, I can't compete. On a Tuesday, <laughs> My, mine's a mine's a Vinny Barbarino. Do it, <laughs> Vinny Barbarino. I can do one good impersonation of Optimus Prime. Ready? Here we and go. And little finger. I love your little finger. <clears throat> Autobots roll out. What oh, do you that's think? good. That is good. It's pretty good, isn't it? Dude, that was really good. Bumblebee. That's a, I, I, no wait. I went off a little bit there, a little okay, too too okay. much. You have to go straight with Optimus Prime. There's no accent. Bumblebee, just really quick. Maybe let's Bumblebee. No, the first yeah. <laughs> Roll out. The first one was the best one. See, I should have just stopped. I should have Costanzaed it. I'm out. <laughs> you, I was gonna say, Axel, you do a pretty good uh, Rick from The Walking Dead too. Oh, Carl, <laughs> Carl. I mean, granted, do, do your little finger word, for me. So. Do your little finger. I can't even remember that, man. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, Sansa. Sansa. Like the ladder. I, I don't know if I actually do that. Sansa. That's all I know. Sansa. Sansa. His jaw's always like. If you think about that dude, man, he was. Huge in the wire, huge on Game of Thrones. What a career. You know what I mean? Like, if you're at a party and there's like, oh, that guy looks kind of familiar. What was he in? Oh, just the two two of the biggest TV shows in the history of television. Mm-hmm. Right? On both spectrums. Yeah. You know, because the wire is more, I mean, I'm not like an indie, but it's more of a grittier, but one of True. the, probably the best cop show of all time. Um, and then you have one of the most, <laughs> you know, <laughs> grandiose uh, set piece game of thrones mm-hmm. uh, i mean it's just yeah hbo casting and, man and name and name and what's his name Let's see if you can remember his name i can't even remember i can't either you sons of bitches wait i can what's his first name yeah, sonza is his first name <laughs> robin robin <laughs> oh no no, no. robin a- aaron actually Robin Aaron or whatever his name. <laughs> Do you know what his name is? Yeah. What's his name? I can't remember. John Carpenter. No, no. Uh, Aiden Gillian. <laughs> oh, right? Aiden Gillian. Yeah. Oh, See, that's it. I knew that. If you had said Aiden he, Gillian, I would have known it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if I would have said Aiden Gillian the third, you might not have. I would have been very confused. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, guys, I'm going to wrap this podcast up only because I think my recorder is about to stop because we're like that. I recorded it, too. It's going to take forever for me, but you recorded it as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Backup, baby. I got the audio going because we're at like two. We're about to hit two hours here. Um, This has been great, guys, just to hang out with pals and chat about shit. And Andy, you did amazing. 
on these brackets. Go be a part of this tournament, everybody. Join our Facebook page. It's in the show notes. Or you can just go to Facebook and search Daily DVR. And, you know, you have to ask to join just so we don't get a lot of spam. And I think one day I made the group public and people were like DMing me like the group's public now. Um, But I immediately there was like five people trying to get you to click a link to watch the new episode of something. But uh, come and join. And thank you for that, Andy. And I, I hopefully... Once we get this going, we'll have you back and we'll talk more about it. We can kind of challenge each other. But uh, it's always fun to talk about these directors. And with these new movies hitting HBO Max and more stuff streaming, give more opportunity to talk about things soon after they premiered on the podcast. I hope to do more of that. I hope everybody's listening to Sarah and I on Batch It Up. we got a couple weeks left of Tasha And... Uh, what else we got going? Become a patron. You can hear that Patreon podcast about the Star City murders. What else you got to say, Andy? I I don't have a whole lot to add. I mean, everybody keep voting. If you have suggestions, don't feel feel free to feel free to continue sending them my way. If you, if you uh, want anything or have any questions about anything, but yeah, everybody vote. It's fun. Talk. It is. That's the Thank best you. part. We could all use a distraction right now, so let's do it. Solo. Hello, Fowler. Uh, yes. Um, <coughs> yes, Sansa. What? Uh, <laughs> what the hell's going on over here? Yeah, no, I'm. I'm uh, planning on doing uh, probably, uh, hopefully, a film list before the end of the year. Do one more, and I also want to do our annual top ten favorite shows of 2020, uh, which would be an interesting. Remember last year. We had someone write in. I don't know if it was Bill Kava's daughter or somebody's daughter. Uh, Wambacher, I think. Oh, it was yes. Wambacher's daughter? Okay, that, you know, had the office there. I was like, what? But that was what? So I, I also have a mini list of top 10 of other stuff, not from 2020, that I wa- we've, I've watched this year. So I, like I said before, I literally made, I've been keeping track of every movie and TV show I've watched. It's not, it's not as big as a list as I would think, but it's 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 good size. So Solo. Maybe we can get that pod done. Let's do in two two weeks from now, Saturday. Let's do that podcast. The nineteenth. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it, baby. It's on. Send your list if you got a list. Send it to us at the film list at gmail dot com, or you can no, go. No, don't to- send it there. Don't oh. <laughs> no, you can send it there. Just- I don't think I've gotten a film list uh, email since. Solo's uh, like I don't remember the password. <laughs> um, you can hit the hit us on the Facebook. I think we did it on Facebook last time, uh, as well, and we could do that. And email and them all. I, I did that big total. I, I we did two of them last year because I did one with you too. I think. Yeah. yeah. Email. That's e- when I did. I totaled everybody's up, and then you and Heath talked about that when you guys did his. All right, I guys. Think. Isn't that what we? Did? Yeah, we could do our trio. We could do a trio what? one, the three of us. Yeah, that's what I meant. Let's Two do weeks. it. Two weeks from now, yeah. Saturday. Ando, you down? I'm in. Let's do cool. it, baby. All right. We'll meet back here. We'll talk about the top 10 TV of 2000. I mean, 
20. I was going to say 19 because <laughs> I was having oh, wishful oh, thinking there. I, I said 2010 earlier. Like, okay, <laughs> I can't even believe it. Sometimes I'm like, it's 2020, man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and you thought that would have been such a big deal for that show 2020 on ABC, but it wasn't that big of a deal for them. You know? <laughs> It was. It's that that backslash like slash. or slash that yep. screws it up. Because it's like 2020 vision, not 2020. Exactly. Year, you know? yeah. well, those, uh, some of those things you when you put that poll up yesterday on Facebook about TV shows from this year, and some of the stuff listed off, and I couldn't believe that was from 2020. I know some of the stuff like back in January and February. It seems like like Westworld. It seems like was three years ago, dude. This we there is Westworld this year. Yeah. yeah. There is no accounting for the way that time has been manipulated by the quarantine and years to come. People will write about it. People will use it as a way. You know what I mean? Like when people talk about like the dust bowl error, something like time flowed slow, you know, like, yeah, this changed time. That Westworld thing is the Westworld thing is seared into my mind because the first pod I recorded was Tim and Gina. Gina had just been put on lockdown like a couple of days before that. So it was mm. brand new. It was like the first week. Yeah. So, yeah. but it seems like it was a million years ago. I know. It and does. then like a week later, everyone's watching contagion and outbreak. And, yep. and, and Tiger, Tiger King. King. Tiger King. Tiger, yeah, that was a contagious outbreak. Tiger King is a contagious <laughs> yeah, outbreak. Right. I'm still suffering from it. I know. All right, let's Switch wrap this up. Hey, everybody, you're awesome. If you're on, we were recording the video for our Patreon. I'm going to try to get it up on Patreon to do a little something special because I've been thinking about doing a little bit, getting more comfortable with just having the camera on because that is what everybody does these days. Um, Oh, hey, if you're on Twitch, do not hesitate to find DJ Tim Hines because he is rocking it and doing like three or four shows a week. DJ sets. Go ahead. Listen to him, baby. DJ had a great one last night. I listened for half an hour or so while I was doing the dishes. It was his anniversary yesterday, so happy anniversary, Tim. Oh, yeah, yeah. happy Happy anniversary, anniversary, Tim. I saw that on the Book of Face. DJ, I miss DJ. DJ, he's a sweetheart. Maybe we can get him to come, too, on Saturday. We can have a foursome. Dude, dude, let's do it. We got the Zoom, we got the... We got the broom and we got the lubrication. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm I'm ending the show now. Show's over. Everybody, I love you all. Thank you for listening. Go to DVRpodcast.com. Become a patron. Patrons, you're the best. Hope everyone enjoyed the show. Three finger peace. Three finger. Peace out, everybody. That's it. I'm done. I'm hitting stop. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. 
To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore Adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. Thanks.